You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hey everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is Austin Schneider. Welcome, Austin. Thanks, man. Um, you know, I'm going to let Austin kind of articulate what it is, he, what is he, he does, but I'll tell you, I met Austin a few years ago. He's one of those guys, like every once in a while you, you meet somebody and he's a little younger than me, but you know, when I started thinking about this podcast and people being in their genius zone, doing what's natural, Austin's one of those guys, you know, I've worked with him professionally and, and he's just in his flow. And, you know, ultimately that's what I'm hoping more people, um, consider when they're choosing their life work. And I think he's a really great person to to listen to. Um, and I'm gonna just kind of let him start it off. And Austin, if you don't mind, the audience is tuning in because they're, you know, they're coming in on the social media, advertising, content management, et cetera. Tell, you know, if you're sitting on a plane and, and someone asks you, what do you do? How would you respond? Yeah, good question. So we would say, or I would say that I am the founder of Brandtegic, which is a social media content marketing agency. So we create social content for companies and personal brands. So, I mean, what, what about that? I mean, I, I don't, I know you love what you do. What is it about that? That is a natural fit for you? Yeah, I think, um, like branding just in general is something that's always interested me and content and the power of content and just visuals and aesthetic and um, all of that I was naturally drawn to in real estate and then started my own thing. And um, now it's grown from there. So that's really what, what initially sparked it was um, just the interest in brand and branding and um, seeing what it can do for, for people and realizing that everybody has a brand and we can control it through content and social media right now is the place to do it. So as a realtor, when you first started, did you see a need like, Hey, people aren't really branding themselves very effectively. Big time. Yeah. And that's really how like Brandtegic was birthed, right? Like people kept asking me for help on how I'm doing it. And I was like, Oh, I, I, I could help you. And then we'll just start helping people. And like, I saw the fruit of it from real life business, from exposure, from press, from all of that stuff. Um, so was really big believer of it. So as a realtor, did you feel, I mean, this is kind of what we'll get into in a little bit, but constricted, you know, like sometimes when people are in careers or jobs, there's something there, it doesn't feel right. And I know you were good at what you did, but you're very creative. Did you ever feel like this isn't for me? hundred percent. It's a, it was a gut feeling that it's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, what do I actually enjoy about what I'm doing? And luckily I had good mentors and, and people like you who bring awareness to this kind of stuff where it's saying like, Hey, you can actually do something that you thoroughly enjoy and make money doing it. And if you're doing something that you don't enjoy yet, you're making money from it. Like to me, that's a sacrifice. Like that's to me, that's not worth it. Like, And I I realized that in real estate and uh, had good mentors speaking into me who kind of planted the vision of Brandtegic with me. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Okay, cool. Like, let me give this a shot. And then I gave it a shot. So I'm just curious, uh, because I don't think you and I have ever had these conversations. Walk me back a little bit. Like, 
you went to high school, maybe locally. You, did you go to college locally? Like, talk to me a little bit about kind of what was in your brain, you know, in terms of what am I going to do with my life? Did you, did you kind of just like, I have no friggin' idea. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So like I grew up in a household that you would call maybe a little blue collar. So dad worked manual labor, uh, mom worked manual labor, and then ended up having to go through a lot of adversity, meaning like recession really impacted her evictions, like no money, opening credit cards in my name. And I was very lost. I was like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. So initially that was like through high school in those transformative years where you're like, okay, I got to start thinking about what I'm going to do in 10 years. And my um, initial thought was to join the military. My second initial thought was to go into construction. And then the third thought that I really pursued was going into uh, police work and being a police officer. And the root of that was stability, right? Like I wanted something stable. I wanted to be able to retire by 65 because that's how I grew up thinking like, oh, I'm going to work till I'm 60 and I'm going to retire and everything's going to be good. I work, I come home, crack a beer, call it good. Like I thought that's what it was. Like I thought that's what you do. So we, I did not have the opportunity to go to college, meaning financially um, worked right out of high school pursuing police and um, was lucky when I was 20 years old, meant to met a mentor who was at the company that I was working for, who was a college dropout, who didn't, who barely graduated high school, who worked his way up from a company and started the company that I was working for, which eventually sold to Lowe's for a couple hundred million dollars. And I was like, okay, like if you can do this and he's like, yeah, you can do this. Then I'm like, why couldn't I do something like that? Like I like, I like marketing. I like business. And that's really what kind of like sparked and opened my eyes to even more opportunities beyond just like doing something comfortable, like the police force or doing something comfortable, like working construction and being a foreman or whatever it was in my head at the time. And, um, realizing that there's a lot more in us than we like to think for ourselves. So if you don't mind, I like to go into that a little bit because I'm always curious what drives my guests. And, you know, a lot of like what I, I, I had a, a difficult life in ways. And I remember my success was, I think, really my dad's definition. And he was always comparing and it was always sure. about someone living on the lake and, yeah. you know, scoring four touch, whatever. And so, like, I was really misguided. And so I spent a long, long time in my career early on just chasing something that really wasn't satisfying. So yeah. I appreciate your, your talking about kind of the stability issue. Would you say that was a, like a primary factor? And then I'm curious, are there other components? Like everyone needs something out of a career. And I guess for you, it's probably to be you and be creative. Are there other things that you get out of your career that are really important? Yeah. Yeah. I think like the upbringing of stability was like my dad, like he worked since he, he worked at the same job since he was 20 some in his twenties. Right. And he continues to work there as a 60 something year old person. He retired and then he couldn't retire because he couldn't grasp it. And he's now working at the same company again. And so I was kind of led from the perspective my parents are divorced, but I was led from him to see, okay, stability matters, like work, work in one job, work your way up and you'll be good by the time you're 60, 65 to be able to retire. And, um, so that's the first part of stability. And then personally, like, I think for me, and I've done a lot of intrinsic work on this, I think it's about what 
like, what do you value as a person? Like if like, and why are you working? You know, I think if you can really nail that down, like I want to work a job where I don't leave drained and I can do more stuff that I enjoy doing outside of it. And then also know I really like building stuff. I like, like creatively building and coming up with stuff along those lines. So within that boundary, like that's entrepreneur founder, like hundred percent, you know, and luckily I fell into that. But if I were to do it again, like if I had to go get a job, I would probably seek something that gave me that was within marketing somehow or start a different thing like do something within marketing that I can like make money so I can go spend more time with my wife so that I can um, do more of my hobbies which is endurance sports like those are the things that are actually important where like vanity money it's like that does not do like it it really doesn't fill a hole in my opinion so you're you're not driven I mean I guess I am a little bit, I like money. I like freedom is what I really like, Mm -hmm. but the, you know, you talk about stability and then here you are a business owner. Um, would you say you're saying money and compensation is not one of your big drivers? I wouldn't say that when I see people on Instagram flashing money, that does not motivate me to want to pursue a career in what that is like what you just said, the freedom, like you like money equals freedom. So like you need money, but Like, I think, again, it matters how you're making it and how you feel consciously and subconsciously doing what you're doing. I hear you. you. So if I had to go work 80 hours a week at like a firm punch in numbers, like I would not be happy. And I made twice as much as I make now. I'd be like, I'm good because like that, that's not why we're in existence. You know, I agree. So what's cough anything caught you off guard i mean you're a business owner i don't know you have 15 20 employees i don't know exactly how many but when you're a business owner the other thing i i had consistent in a lot of my podcasts is just all that comes with that i mean you're the last to get paid last to get fed there's a lot of stress i mean on the looking at that it's sexy and it's exciting but it's also got to be stressful as well but what what caught you off guard and i know you've been in the business for a while is there anything if somebody's looking at you from afar whether it's social media or someone in kirkland that bumps into you and they're really impressed but you might want to let them know about this this and that Mm -hmm. yeah um good question yeah i mean i think with like people like as you hire employees that requires a lot of personalities. It's a lot of real life humans that are involved in the picture. And, um, like we're in a service-based business where we deliver a service to somebody. It's not like we're selling products and we can do it with two people. So like, I think the, the things that people don't talk about, especially my industry is the notion of like profit, like how much pro like, cool. You're making a couple million dollars from a business perspective, but like how much are you spending and what is the actual profit going to your, your thing? And then like all the stress involved with managing people, real life emotions, like that's a lot. So I would say the personnel and the profit is something that I think a lot of people just don't really realize is like managing the actual numbers of the business and um, all that really goes and in, goes into that. And I'm not at all saying I know you this well, but I know you're super creative. 
And sometimes running a business isn't about being creative. It's just a different skill set. Have you fallen? Do you feel pretty comfortable in wearing both hats? I mean, has it taken you a while to get used to? Yeah, for sure. I think there's a difference between like, like if you're a business person, like I think that's great. I think there's a difference between being an entrepreneur or a founder or maybe like a freelancer to actually a CEO, right? I think the entrepreneur founder, it's like, oh, I maybe have like one person working with me and like, I get to do everything. I have so much control over everything. But once you become a CEO, it becomes more about you're managing the people and the people are doing everything. And like, you need to be a good leader so that the people can actually work on your behalf of what you're actually vision casting for it. So I think um, there's a big distinction between between those two types of thing and things. And I would say I'm more natural towards the first, which is like entrepreneur founder. So like practically what Brantijic is doing, like we're going to hire a CEO. So I'm going to hire our current COO, who's much better with the personnel, the people, patient and understanding to be the CEO. And I'm going to be more founder sales, which is where my strengths are in. Can you talk to me a little bit up? I mean, you've worked, we've worked together. Uh, are, are you exclusive to a specific, like, like I thought you were with a mortgage company kind of being their in-house person. Talk to me a little bit about kind of who you work with and what your day is like. Yeah. So we work with a lot of um, like people in the real estate space right now, home builders, um, e-commerce companies are what we're tapping into a lot right now. Um, so it's kind of all over the, all over the board. A lot of okay. service-based companies as well who need a brand and need to elevate their presence. Okay. So you're not exclusive to like one company. You're, you're basically no. help. Okay. And then now that you're kind of getting back into the entrepreneurial type role, Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, people see you, they think they know what it's like, but they don't really understand what Monday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon, the weekend, like talk to me if you don't mind a little bit about kind of what a week looks like for you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so religiously wake up at 3.30 AM and exercise endurance athletes. So whether that's running, like cycling, hitting the weights, like that's mandatory. And then, um, yeah, I would say most of my time, like I think as a CEO or a founder of a company of my size, not saying we're big or, or we're very small, but you're sort of like a juggler, right? Like you, like you need to go to where the company needs you. So if it's, Hey, we need to really focus on operations. Okay. I need to dive into that and really understand it and make sure the team is on board with the mission of what we have for operations. Okay. Now, if the vision is really salesy and we need to build that up, okay, now I need to focus my attention on sales and, and really dive into that. Okay. If the focus is on fulfillment. Okay. Now I need to do that. So it really just depends on where the, uh, the need is on where I can fill in and help support. Like, I think that's where my role is. Um, and, but I would say mostly it is like sales and then the people management. So we have two le levels of leaders where I'll meet with both of them and just understand where they're at, understand what's going on with the fulfillment and what they're doing. Cause I think as you get to a certain size, the most important client is actually your team and making sure that they're taken care of because they're actually representing what your vision is to the clients. So making sure that they're in the loop with everything and then communicating to the clients and making sure everybody's stoked and on the same page. So it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like overhead activities as well as the sales. Okay. And so for someone who's watching, they're curious. I'm curious, even though I have an idea, like mm -hmm. give us your idea, like you're perfect. If you could have 20 clients like this, like what, explain to us kind of what that you would do for that person or that company or that whatever, that group. 
Yeah. So we would come in and we would probably create, you know, eight pieces of videos a month and a specific amount of photos a month. And we would do all the posting for them. And we would meet with them once a month and come up with a game plan for the content. And that's pretty much our monthly cadence. So we would strategize on the content, we would execute on the content and we would execute the content all for them. So it's sort of like having a contract marketing department for them. Um, that that's us essentially. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's creation, it's placement, it's maintaining the relationship, the being pleasantly persistent. And so if you don't mind, I'm very curious, like I see, we all see people doing this on their own with companies. Do you have a thought or two on like the perfect recipe for persistency or how often or frequency? As far as like posting or as far as like following up or as far as posting and yeah, yeah. Posting. Yeah. We like to say like a minimum of two videos per week will do really well for you. And that's okay. like the minimum. And if you can post more then great. Okay. So you're doing all the editing. I mean, the, the I mean, you, you worked with me, we did short videos, but you're doing all your crew is doing all of that. Correct. Yep. We do a monthly strategy call where we'll be like, okay, what do we like? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And then we'll, plan all the videos and all the content, and then we'll execute the content, edit the content, and then we'll post the content and then share reporting with you. And then we have another strategy call with you. And then we do the same thing over and over and over again. And then how do you, I mean, scaling, does that just mean you hire more people? I mean, if you get more deals, more clients, I mean, how do you scale? Exactly. It's, it's hiring more people and then, or charging more. Okay. So charging more, removing clients who are not ideal or, um, hiring more people and going forward with that. And is this the trajectory you want to take? I mean, is there, is this like five, a five-year plan? Like, are you, tr- do you see yourself changing the dynamic of what you offer or is this pretty much what you want to do? Yeah, I think it's what we want to do. Um, I think like acquisition conversations could be something that we do at some point with the right partner. Um, like there's opportunities for that because business is an asset, but you need to build it to be like worth something, you okay. know? Got it. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, cause I've seen this and we share a connection with Jesse and like, where did this come from? Like, you know, you getting up and I, I see the, the, the mileage that you're putting in, I mean, in the rain, it's crazy. Like, was that a, was that something that you always had growing up or was that like one day I decided I'm going to go, you know, Masagi, I'm going to go do something big. Mm-hmm. I mean, where, where did, where did this come from? Yeah. Um, I think endurance, I think you're referencing endurance sports just in general and just like kind of the extremities that come with that. If you want to perform at a, at a good level and that's not like running five miles a, a week, but it's like 60 miles a week and cycling and all that stuff. Um, it came through COVID and, um, gyms were closed. So I started going for runs cause I needed to be active and keep a routine. So I would start running every day. And then I was introduced to ultra marathons and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so freaking cool. Like people actually do this and, um, just got hooked more so not from a physical perspective or like how I looked cause the runner's body isn't necessarily like aesthetic. I'm not bodybuilding, but the way it made me feel and how sharp I felt from doing endurance activities. And, um, without it, I would say I would not be as sharp. I would say like, it's a mindset builder and, 
um, has helped me tremendously in business and just as a person. And then Masogi was introduced to me through a book actually called The Comfort Crisis. And I was like, oh, I want to try Masogi. So booked one like a year after COVID and we went to the Grand Canyon and did it. And it was wild, but it, it was awesome. Like all things that you can read about a Masogi is very true as far as the the result of it and how it makes you feel. So you're, I mean, I'm just going to be blunt. You're super driven. And I can tell that again, I'm not saying that you and I are best friends and I'm with you a lot, but I, I watch you and I wonder like, do you ever, you know, do you ever slow down? I mean, you're so driven. Do you ever just stop and enjoy? I mean, you're doing so many things effectively at such a fast pace. I wonder like, you know, is this guy um, enjoying the ride or is he just so focused on the destination? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I would say um, by having a life partner or a wife like that really helps you and slows you down a little bit and makes you realize a lot of things. I would say three years ago, four years ago, whatever, when I was first starting Braintegic, I would not do that. I would, I was hard on myself, burn myself out, just focus on vanity and what I can achieve. And my life was around work. Now it's more of like intrinsically deciding, okay, what do I want to do? Like what makes me happy and being okay with that. I think in my role, like as a creative, as a founder, like you do need to be disciplined with downtime and like settle in because that's oftentimes where a lot of ideas come from. So yes, it's a discipline to do it. No, I'm not good at it. It's definitely something that I want to continue to do and work on, um, but will always be a challenge. So, yeah. So Let's, let's take a young adult, male, female, whatever, coming out of schools, maybe yourself back in the day, high school, yeah. struggling, trying to figure out, you know, I'm, I mean, there's a lot of pressure for a lot. Some people don't care what they do. They just get a job. They're fine. Sure. People like me, I, 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 I've, I've identified myself often with what I do. And I've struggled sometimes with maybe not being super proud of what I do and feel like I'm not really using my skills and my, yeah. my interests. Any advice? I mean, because this is really about helping people get clear, like on choosing a career. I mean, because a lot of times the voices in our head are paying off debt, what our mom and dad, you know, say we should do or seeing, you know, coming from a place of scarcity. Any advice as far as getting young adults to think differently about choosing their careers? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think I've, I do the same work. Like I think about that stuff too. I'm like, what am I going to do when I grow up? Like, what do I really want to do? But I think if, if you are spending 40 hours a week somewhere, which is a lot of your day, right? Like hopefully it's something that you enjoy. And if you're interested in business and monetizing business, I think always, always go for it. That's just my opinion. And either do it as a side hustle to start and then transfer it full time but like I'm coming from an entrepreneur perspective, but the, the value isn't necessarily to me starting a business in what it could be or what you're building it to be, but it's the journey. It's what you're learning along the way. Like I know tomorrow, if everything shut off and nothing worked anymore, I could go start another business because I've learned so much over the past 10 years of being a commission-based only person, whether it's my own business or whatever it is, because I learned all of it like the skills that you would learn from chasing what you actually want to do, whether if that is starting a business or doing your own thing will be far more powerful, far more valuable than um, anything else. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess one question I would have, and I know this typically there's a coined answer, but if you were to come back out of high school, knowing what you know now, would you have gone into college if it was an option? Would you have chosen, gone right into starting a career or, or any insight into how you would do it different? Yeah. So I would like, to me, the, the most valuable thing as like a young person is learning. So if I was interested in maybe endurance sports when I was 18 years old, I would say, okay, I'm going to go work for Ironman as an entry level position and learn everything I can, or I'm going to go work for the cycle company or the shoe brand or whatever I'm interested in and start from the bottom and learn as much as I can about that. And then either work my way up or start my own thing. So I think it's figuring out where can you learn the most like on the job and if you can get paid for it, great. And if not, um, then like figure out, make it a side hustle or learn on your own time. But like, I would definitely find somebody who's doing what you want to do potentially and attach yourself to that person and attach yourself to what could be and have a mentor and link up with people and just learn as much as you can be a sponge. I love it. So in your company, you know, not everybody's the same. Some people are introverts, some people are creative, some people, whatever. There's probably different skill sets, different personality types that comprise your company, right? You need all of the above. For somebody that's listening and watching and like, I'm you know, thinking like, I'm, I don't think I'm like Austin. I don't know if I could do this or I'd want to do this. What are the other opportunities like in your industry or your type of job or career that might be a little different for some people that are watching this thinking, huh, I don't fit into that, but maybe I would fit into that. Like as a creative or just like within the niche of marketing in general? Well, I'll give you an example. I had a guest on recently who run, has run like a lot of apparel companies, K2, Heli Hansen, cool. you know, he, he's done a lot of big stuff. And we started getting into like all the different necessities that comprise a, an apparel company, whether it's design, marketing, yeah. uh, finding the products in your, you know, you have camera people, you have editors, yep. video editors, you have different skill sets. What are some of those skill sets? Yeah. So like the subsets of what makes brain teacher could be video editing. That's a great skill that you can learn literally from YouTube. And a lot of people want it right now, videography. So actually shooting the videos, um, social media management, posting on behalf of clients, graphic design, um, um, photography. So there's a lot within those from like an entry perspective that can give you the in, um, to start other stuff, copywriting, you know, there's, there's a ton. And what's interesting. And I've seen this before is you're somebody who probably has experience and interest in all of those, correct? Jack of all trades, master of none. I was doing everything before we started hiring people, which I think for the audience, if they're watching Austin right now and they're, they're like impressed, like, Keep in mind, like I see this a lot, that the people that are running a company often have their foot in the door on a lot of the different components of the subsets that make up that company, not only because they did it, but I think they had interest, genuine interest in it, which I think is really important to make you more credible. Yeah. And then you can also speak the language to people in terms of, you know, maybe they're experiencing some issues and you can have that conversation where, you know, a pure business person can't. Totally. Yeah, I think oftentimes founders and CEOs are jack of all trades, master of none. And it just, then you figure out what those trades are that you're good at. And then you delegate it to masters and that's all they do. 
So is there anything I'm not asking you? Like you're a bright guy, you know what I'm trying to do and the value that I'm trying to offer. Is there anything I'm not asking or anything that you're feeling compelled to like say, whether it's advice or just something you've learned along the way that would be really important for somebody? Because again, this can be a really stressful decision. And at the end of the day, what I'm trying to help people do is not get locked in to a career and then find themselves, you know, at 52 years old, like wondering and wishing they might have done it different. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the the main thing would be do something that you're interested in. And if you're not interested in it, maybe find a job with the expectation to then transition to something that you're interested in. And maybe that's you have a job and you do a side hustle and then you find deeper interest or you learn more about that specific position. And then specifically to like entrepreneurs, like if you have a vision, let's just say of being a video editor, then get a job and start video editing on the side and then see if you like it and see if it's something that you'd want to do well in. And then if you are have an idea or you have a skill set, like I always say, just go for it. And like the best thing that's going to happen is you're going to learn a ton and you're going to learn a lot of valuable skills that are going to help you at the next job or help you land the next job. So like my main thing, I know, like, I think it's just doing something that makes you feel fulfilled and that's in line with your interests. Yeah. You know, it's interesting listening to you and we haven't really gone down this road before, but stability was a big part of it early on, but yet you're, a lot of people are scared. They're fearful of taking a chance, uh, fear of success, fear of failure. Yet you have the stability issue that you had growing up and yet you're, you're going for it, which, yeah. which but like, what is success? You know, like what is success? Are you asking me? I'm just kind of <laughs> asking figuratively, right? Like what, like, what yeah. does that actually mean? Is it, yeah. is it financial? Okay. Then go work a job that you can make the most amount of, possible, amount of money possible. Like, is it, Hey, I want to spend as much time with my family. Okay, cool. Work a job that helps you support your family. Like if you know what you want with your life, what your values are, what the vision is for your life, not vocationally for your life, for your generation, for your family, then that will help answer that question. In my opinion. Yeah. I love, I mean, I always ask to find authentic success and I think you yeah. kind of just did that. For sure. It's yeah. not money. It's not a car. It's not a house, right? It's a, it's a picture usually in your brain. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Just, I mean, I don't even know if I've asked this question before, but you know, sometimes younger adults are, there's so much noise and there's so many voices in their head trying to define authentic success is not easy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so part of me, I really want to shift the way people like maybe take inventory of what makes them better when they come back to their wife or their kids, like a better version of you. So yeah. for me, it's like when I work on the farm or, you know, hanging out with my dog or coaching my kids in sports or listening to music, like I find myself a better version of me and you probably, you know, running and doing endurance training, et cetera. But I don't think a lot of people without life experience think like that. Mm -hmm. And I think, I guess as far as, do you have any advice on trying to get people, younger adults to think about defining authentic success? Because I don't think whether it doesn't feel safe or it's just a weird language or a weird, I mean, I don't think I would have been very open to that at 24, 23, coming out of the University of Washington. Mm -hmm. I was all about money and trying to like impress my dad and, you know, whatever. But 
I struggle with how do I articulate this to somebody that doesn't have the life experience? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does take a lot of intrinsic work that comes through maturing. And I think it goes through seasons, right? Like when I first started in real estate, like it was very driven off of money and image. And like, that's what I was chasing. And then through like realizing, okay, this isn't, this doesn't really do anything for me. This doesn't actually make me fulfilled. I actually want to maybe try this through learning through mentors, through like being a sponge. Then I realized, okay, I can start the agency. And then that's kind of the the journey. Like, I think that you're going to go through phases. I don't think you should put pressure on yourself to be like, Oh, I, I need this huge vision when I'm 21 years old and think about my life and kids. So maybe if the season right now is like, Hey, I want to grind and be the top salesperson, make a bunch of money. Okay, cool. Then you'll just, I think it's just keeping in the back of your mind, like realizing why you're doing what you're doing. Do you actually enjoy what you're doing? Does this fit within a bigger purpose and a vision? I think like, as you know, like as you have a family and a wife, like things are going to change, you know, like your, your things are going to shift and your interests and what's actually important to you. Um, but it's just about learning and um, going through those seasons to get you to where you want to go. But if you're miserable your whole life, like I don't think that, or if you're miserable in your job, it's just not worth it. I agree. Um, as we wrap this up, I, I know you're a deep guy. Like you work with a lot of individuals that are trying to promote themselves, position themselves, get known, bring in business. Do you ever find yourself working with someone where you're like, ah, I don't feel like they're, they're fit for this. Or, I mean, do, do you just kind of hold your breath or do you ever, I mean, you seem like you'd be a great life coach. Do you ever get involved with discussions like that because you are exposed to so many people? Yeah. Not as much on like the client end, but definitely from like a personnel perspective and team, like we're really big on like leadership development and, um, like being really acute. I mean, I think a big, one of the most powerful things that you can learn is human nature, especially if you're going to be working with a lot of people. Like if you know that people, whenever you tell them something, they think about what's in it for them. You think about, okay, everybody just wants a sense of control. So how do you communicate that? How do you make sure when you are communicating, you communicate with those types of things in mind. So I think learning human nature has helped a lot, but, um, and we focus a lot on that at Brantegic and then also consulting other agency owners as well has been really helpful to kind of flex that muscle. And I really enjoy it. Like, I think, yeah, there's a lot we can do and a lot we can learn about ourselves. And it's pretty wild to learn from counseling and, uh, the journey of just getting to know me, you know? Yeah, I get it. So let's just say you couldn't do what you're doing it wasn't an option. Uh, you couldn't own your own business. I, I, I asked this question because I'm sometimes curious. I think it's interesting for the audience to get to know you in a different light. Is there a dream job, like totally fantasy land, candy land, 180 from what you're doing now? Like, God, I would love to do this someday. And a lot of times people say I'm in my dream job, but I'm just going to say, you got to take that off the table. You can't, can't give me that response. Yeah. Um, I would say I really like building things. So um, like right now I'm in the process of rebuilding the consulting agency for agencies, essentially people who want to grow their marketing company. Um, that's kind of within the space and doesn't really answer the question with the context that you're looking for. But if I were to do 
something completely different, it would probably have to do with endurance sports and some sort of marketing and creative within that, like working for Ironman and being their director of marketing to come up with all the creative and building the team around it, who's executing it and leading that. Like something around my interest, I think would be really cool. That's really cool. Have you had a chance to meet Chad Wright? No. Do you know who he is by chance? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had him at a, an event recently. Sick. In our, uh, the guy with the red beard. I mean, Navy yeah, SEAL. Yeah, he's crazy. I, yeah. I, I remember we were in Costa Rica and he came and spent some days with us. Cool. And, and it was very like the mindset of these people and you have it. Um, I was an athlete, but I honestly don't know if I could do what you're doing. Um, I'm really impressed. I, I also wonder if you're going to get the heck out of Washington because running in the rain at three 30 in the morning has got to be tough. Yeah, we got plans. We got plans. I bet. Well, Austin, you're awesome. I know you're busy, busy. Um, you're really cool for coming aboard. I think you are very credible. I think there's a lot of people that can really benefit from your information. So thanks for jumping on. Yeah. And if anybody has any specific questions, y'all can find me. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right. All right.